From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. After you have an operation, your surgeon may prescribe an opioid pain reliever. But these days, because of the opioid crisis in America, the surgeon may think twice about writing that prescription. In the HealthLink on Air studio to talk about a change in prescribing habits are Dr. Jeffrey Albright, a colon and rectal surgeon, and Dr. Flavia Soto, a bariatric surgeon. They're both assistant professors of surgery at Upstate, and they're both involved in an effort to establish appropriate opioid levels for 21 different surgical procedures. Thank you both for being here. Thank you for, Thank having, you for having us. Yes. So is it more common today to see patients who refuse pain medications out of fears of addiction? Um, I think, um, in general, uh, patients and doctors are, we are more conscious about it. Uh, and it depends. The answer would be, depends if it, if it is a patient that already is receiving treatment from different reasons prior, um, when they come to see us, but there's no questions that we're all very conscious about opioids these days. Is there a benefit, uh, for a patient who wants to sort of tough it out and go without pain medicine, even if they're in pain? Dr. Albright? I'd say generally there is not a true benefit from the perspective of how they otherwise would recover. Um, I think we definitely want our patients to be up and um, getting around, uh, making the recovery a little bit easier. Um, but on the flip side, I think that we also recognize that there's a very small percentage of people who will um, go on to uh, develop some degree of dependency and addiction down the road. So it, it is kind of a double-edged sword, but in general, from the immediate recovery, no, there's no benefit in avoiding the, the pain control. Does it, does it help your body if you're not in pain? Does it help your body heal, Dr. Soto? Absolutely. I, I mean, pain um, triggers um, inflammatory response. Um, it's not about only feeling the pain that is very uncomfortable, but it's all the extras that our body um, tends to produce that plays a role in the healing process for sure. So, and the stress response. Um, so yeah, it's, it is important for the patients to be comfortable um, and have adequate pain medication accordingly uh, in order to for instance, to move and get out of bed and recover faster. So um, the answer is yes, it's not, it's not good to have pain and tough it up. Um, there's a reason why we have to control pain adequately. Okay. And to add to her point, it's one of the reasons why um, it's become very important a lot of the um, surgeries that we do that we've focused on something we call multimodal pain uh, management, which basically means rather than just using the opioids, which was kind of the mainstay um, in years past, we tend to choose a number of different medications when you add them all together, tend to give uh, better overall pain control and then decrease how much of the narcotics or opioid medications we, we would use. And so for instance, we may give people acetaminophen, which most people know is Tylenol, or ibuprofen or naproxen, um, or a combination of all of these medications together, plus some other ones that the uh, public is probably less aware of. Um, and by doing that, we hopefully um, provide the better pain control and um, are able to provide uh, or give our patients fewer opioid pain medications. And each of those medicines you mentioned, they, they all work a little bit differently on pain, right? They have a different mechanism? Correct. Yeah. Correct. yeah. Well, interesting. Well, tell us about the effort that you're both involved in. How did you get involved in this, and what is what is its aim? 
All right, so we belong to um, this collaborative group uh, that is uh, sponsored somehow by Excels, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, local. Um, and Dr. Albright and myself, we are the surgeons um, champions for each campus downtown and community campus for upstate. Um, so the idea of this group is to present quality improvement projects and opioids um, as um, became um, such a uh, problem, current problem, uh, we decided to all together um, to take this at, at, at a different level and um, try to implement um, efforts in order to decrease um, amount of prescriptions that we're given to our patients based on different surgeries. Um, so that's what we started, um, and we implemented in both campuses the same thing. And it go it's way beyond just upstate physicians. It's it's like you mentioned, um, Excellus, but other right. hospitals and health agencies, right? Correct. Um, Eighteen hospitals from Central New York and a little bit outside that boundary, they are involved, um, and we all are following this uh, same QIP or quality improvement project. Okay. So you recognize this issue and as a group decided you wanted to do something about it. So Correct. what can you as physicians do? So number one, to be aware that this is a problem. Number two, be conscious at the time that we're uh, prescribing. And so what we did in the last uh, meeting we had with this group is to decide what would be a fair and lower amount versus what we used to do before. Uh, for surgeries, meaning how much less will be prescribed per type of surgery. So we have a list of different surgeries that will involve certain general surgery cases, some, some other specialty cases. And so arbitrary, we did both at that time. Um, and we just set a number in terms of um, decreasing the amount of pills that we are given to the patients after these procedures. And, and to add what she um, just commented on, I think a lot of this is born out of uh, the literature. I mean, previously, before we were more aware of this, um, our goal is we wanted to make sure that our patients were comfortable at home and, and really weren't wanting for pain control. And, you know, we see it in the news today with, uh, you know, Purdue Pharma and Johnson & Johnson and all the issue related to prescribing. And really, when we were in training, the what everybody was being taught was addiction is actually a very rare thing that you see. Um, and so go ahead and just give people the pain medications that they need. And so when over the course of time they looked at um, really how much of these pain medications people are actually using based on their prescription, they estimated that probably between 50 and 60 percent of the narcotics that are being prescribed for people are actually never used. And so... Um, you know, a lot of those pills then end up going in the drawer, and uh, then further, um, they recognize that of that people who became addicted to medications like or to uh, drugs like heroin, the majority of those people actually started by using prescription pain medications, and so uh, both it's kind of the combination of us recognizing or over prescribing because nobody had really followed up on it. Um, and then now that we're dealing with this problem and have a better recognition of the role that we may play in this, um, you know, we're doing a, a, our best in order to try to not have patients be in pain, but to kind of, quote, right size and quote, our, our prescribing habits.
This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with two surgeons, Dr. Jeffrey Albright and Dr. Flavia Soto. And they're part of a, a group of physicians and health organizations that are looking at ways to um, reduce or change the prescribing habits of physicians and surgeons. So I want to ask you how you went about reaching a consensus on the appropriate opioid levels for these procedures. Um, which ones typically require the most pain relief? Which procedures? So the one, uh, um, in theory, the ones that are bigger surgeries or imply open procedures versus laparoscopic, those are the ones that might um, um, generate uh, more pain more control pain. or, I don't know if you agree with that, the more involved, of, I would say, inflammatory response. And But I don't know if, Jeff, uh, you have something I, to I add to that. I think from the, the literature I've seen on it, um, you know, our, our uh, orthopedic colleagues who um, treat a lot of people with for arthritic type pain, so mm-hmm. people with chronic back pain, people with uh, arthritis of their knees and hips who would then undergo knee replacement or hip replacement or back surgery, um, those are the ones where we tend to see higher uh, number of pills being prescribed, but it's also probably recognizing that that's also a group that more likely has chronic pain associated with it and may be on mm-hmm. chronic pain medications and so not aren't necessarily naive to the medications or a little bit more tolerant and may require more of the opioid pain medications in order to control it. But in, in general, I agree that the bigger the operation, the bigger the incision, um, in, in general, that tends to um, correlate with, with more pain. So does the pain come from the, the nerves that have been disrupted during the surgery or like what causes the pain when you're recovering from surgery it's 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 a series of events uh, from the physiopathology standpoint Uh, when every time that we do an incisions we generate like an inflammation and runs through nerves and then connects to the brain and the spine so it's a series of events and the aftermath is also the inflammatory reaction that that this generates also that causes a lot of the inflammation per se per surgery that can cause extra pain as well so you mentioned laparoscopic surgeries which are done with tiny small incisions um, and more things are being done that way these days so naturally there would be maybe less pain recovering from those right Correct. Actually, correct. So faster recovery, shorter length of a state in the hospital, and less pain as well. So how do you as a surgeon decide how many days worth of pills to send someone home with? That's a great question. Uh, to go ahead, Jeff, if you want to. I mean, I, I think that currently that's kind of a moving target. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, at this point, really trying to standardize our perception of, of uh, what's appropriate for our patients to receive after their operations. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that we have, it does take a lot of judgment to, to a certain degree to recognize, okay, these operations are about this level of, of invasiveness and therefore we're going to prescribe, you know, five pills or 10 pills or 15 pills for, for these patients and recognize that if we underprescribe, we can always give a refill. Um, and if you overprescribe, you're never going to get those pills back. And right. then that increases the access for what we call diversion or utilization of the pain for purposes that aren't intended. Yeah, but, I would agree with that. Um, there's nothing written stone in the end of the day. We just have to have a good assessment. You know, 
there's also literature that um, shows that if we are more aware of how much pain medication the patient would use while in the hospital, if it is an, uh, a procedure that is being done with an overnight or staying in the hospital, we can have a sense of how much pain medication we would need to prescribe. But again, we have to be conscious about it. Mm-hmm. And because um, it's different for each patient, right? I mean, the pain threshold for one person may be very different. Correct, but at the same time, there's certain procedures that we, based on experience and evidence, that we can say how how many pills we can prescribe. But that's true in terms of what Jeff was uh, mentioning before. If these are patients that they have already issues and they're taking medication, pain medication from before coming in, so that makes it a little more, um, you know, not complicated, but a little more uh, uh, challenging. Okay. And I think we also have to uh, work on managing expectations as well. I mean, I think Absolutely. that that's something from before the operation that we can tell our patients that we're, we're not going to be able to make them complete, completely pain-free after the operation. We can only do what we can do in order to manage it to a level which um, permits for them to do most of their normal daily activities. And as long as they have that expectation going in, I think that they become more satisfied recognizing, okay, I'm not going to be pain-free, but at least I'll be reasonably comfortable. Correct. Yeah. Well, okay. in each of your specialties with the weight loss surgery and with colorectal surgery, do is there anything you can tell your patients to do, I, I, I got, you know, manage expectations, but can they do something actively beforehand to make things go better in recovery? Absolutely. I think we share the, the same QIP also. We, we, both started actually Jeff has uh, almost two years right that you started ERAS that is um, quality improvement project in order to it's in case recovery after surgery meaning um, a comprehensive approach and multidisciplinary um, multi-drug I would say in order to decrease the length of a stay make patients more comfortable and also approach pain within all that boundary um, so I don't know if you want to share what you have done because it's a little different sometimes, but at the same time, targeting pain control, decreased length of a state and early recovery and go home sooner in a good shape. But if you want to share some of the measures that or yeah. implementations, mean, yeah. You, you did a great job of really summarizing it because it's a, um, I mean, we really focus on what things can be done, you know, in the days before the operation, what can be done as early as like right before the operation while they're in the in the holding area before they go to the operating room um, things intraoperatively and then postoperatively there we really put together um, about 15 to 20 different little things that when you add them together really make a big difference uh, in patients outcomes and we um, just in the last couple of years after rollout of this um, we've seen you know uh, we've shortened hospital stays by more than a day um, we have not seen any increase in readmissions. We have seen decreased complication rates associated with it, decreased mortality. So there's a lot of, um, it's really a win-win for our patients in this situation. And so it was rolled out initially in a lot of places with colorectal surgery because um, we're operating on an organ that obviously um, is not the cleanest. And so we actually had a fairly high complication rate overall associated with it. And since we've seen such uh, success with that, we're all, it's really being expanded to a number of different other, both surgical and even non-surgical things related to the hospital. 
Yeah, and adding to that, uh, one of the metrics actually we're tracking and intervening before surgery and during surgery and after surgery is pain control. So we do, you know, significant amount of efforts in order to decrease the pain after the patients they wake up from surgery. So we actually pre-medicate these patients before even going for surgery. And so we use, you know, the multimodal approach. We can do neuroblocks. We can do Tylenol, as uh, Jeff mentioned before. And those are drugs that they sound like they're old-fashioned, but we're coming back with understanding them. Pain is a little more complex, and we can decrease the opioid intake after if we do all this together at once and before surgery. Bariatric surgeon Dr. Flavia Soto and colorectal surgeon Dr. Jeffrey Albright are both assistant professors of surgery at Upstate. Thank you both for being here. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.